You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe that helps people who feel far from God to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. For more fresh content, check City Tribe on YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook. Enjoy the message, and welcome to the tribe. I don't know who you are out there because I can't see you, but I know a teacher changed your life. And what I'd like you to do is close your eyes. And picture the teacher who changed your life just for 15 seconds. I'll wait. Now, let me ask you a, sec- a question. Did you ever thank that teacher? It's not too late. Please do that. And ask your friends and your family to think about the teacher who made the difference. Go reach out and thank that woman or that man. And then the next step is. Do your best, do whatever you can for the kids who are in school today to make sure their teachers have the time and the opportunity to change their lives the way your life was changed. He was an English teacher in high school um, and he wouldn't let me do mediocre work. He'd give it back and say, you can do better, rewrite. And he made me believe that I could do better. He would give, he would make us write almost every day what he called a 282. You had two minutes to think, eight minutes to write, and then two minutes to correct. And if you made a sentence error, you got a zero. I became an English teacher because of Mr. Solomon. And when I started teaching, I did the same stuff he did, the 2A2 and writing and so on and so forth. But he made me believe that I could do quality work. Every one of us got here on the backs and with the help of someone, and invariably that someone was a teacher. I am so happy to be here, and I love that video because I truly believe It is 1,000% accurate. Each one of us in here has been impacted in some way by an educator. I'm Jen. Uh, I have been an educator here in San Antonio in the Urban Core for many years. And I'm just so thankful that I get to share a part of a Sunday with you all here in the building and those of you who are watching online. Together today, we're gonna spend a little bit of time reflecting on one of my favorite scriptures, 1 Corinthians 12, 28, which says, God has appointed first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles, all those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, and those speaking in different kinds of tongues. But before we go any further, I feel like I need to give you a few disclaimers. And number one is, y'all know you should never give a microphone to a teacher, right? And you should especially never ask a teacher with a microphone to talk about teacher things. So I I get really impassioned about educators and education and the teaching and learning that happens in our city. And I think part of the reason is because I come from a line of educators. My dad was a pastor and a teacher and a school principal. My grandmother was a long-term substitute teacher in the school system where I grew up. So I get really excited when people ask me to talk about this stuff. In fact, uh, when Pastor Doug asked me at the beginning what I thought of Community Week and we were sitting 
sitting with the creative team just doing planning, I got so loud and obnoxious in his office that he was like, okay, you know what? Let's call the person who's supposed to give the talk. Let's cancel that. Let's have Jen do it. Um, so John Pyle, if you're listening, I'm really sorry. I didn't know that that was gonna happen. Um, but I am grateful that it did because it means I get to stand here telling you, talking to you about my favorite thing. Which leads me to my second disclaimer. There's no way that I could say everything I would wanna say about teaching and educators in our city in 30 minutes. So my encouragement for you today is to find an educator. Find an educator in our city and buy them a cup of coffee or share a meal with them and listen to their story because I guarantee you they have a story they want to share. My last disclaimer is that teaching and leading in the school system is hard and it is complicated. And it's hard and complicated because the world we live in is hard and complicated. So if you see something or hear something that I'm gonna share with you today that gives you a little bit of angst or anxiety, I wanna say first of all that I'm sharing it as a way to try to be inspiring and tell the truth. And second, I also wanna tell you that if you'd like to talk to somebody about it or have somebody pray with you, there will be leaders outside on the patio at the prayer tent who are willing to do that after the service. Okay, so all that's out of the way, let's get back to the spiritual gifts. According to the verse in Corinthians that we just read, God has appointed apostles, prophets, teachers, miracle workers, healers, helpers, administrators, and prayer warriors. Well, I did what all good teachers do, and I looked up the word appoint because I wanted to know what it meant in this context. And here's the definition that I think gives this verse the most meaning. In this verse, appoint means to be provided with what is necessary equip or to furnish. And that means that God has equipped each one of us, given us exactly what is necessary for each of us to carry out a very specific good work. Some of us are preachers, some teachers, some of us are helpers, and some of us are prayer warriors. I've carried this verse with me for a really long time. It's one of the verses that I've designated as a life verse something I continuously go back to when I start to wonder, what am I supposed to be doing with my time? And today, as you read those words and reflect on them, I would like for you to think about your spiritual gift. I want you to wonder what God has specifically equipped you to do. What gift has he given you that would make our world a safer place? What gift do you possess that might make our city shine brighter? What gift could you share with educators like me who are raising the next generation of all the things? All the next city leaders, the doctors, the lawyers, the engineers, the bankers, the hospitality workers, the nurses, literally all of the things are sitting in our school building right now. Because here's the thing, we cannot afford to neglect the gift we're given. If we aren't able to live out our gift, or if we've chosen not to live out our gift, guys, bad things happen. We're frustrated. The world misses out. And things are generally upside down. And I'm serious. We're gonna get more into it, but for right now, I just want you to do this. I want you to say it with me. Don't neglect the gift. Are you ready? Okay, one, two, three. Don't neglect the gift. That's our big idea today. So 
I was hired as a fifth grade teacher way back in December of 1999. Does anybody in here remember December of 1999? The world was about to end. Y2K was a thing, y'all. And that month, a computer-induced apocalypse was predicted. And it was thought that there was no technology that could handle the rollover from 1999 to the year 2000, which meant everybody was stockpiling all the things. And we were preparing for a world with no internet, no satellites, no money, no nothing. Specifically, the Department of Education was predicting problems with transportation services, food services, and they, were, they thought that the student files that we kept electronically were all going to be corrupted. All of the schools in the nation were scrambling to become Y2K compliant. And I needed to be ready to teach no matter what. I had no idea what I was gonna walk into the first day of school, January 2000. But I did know that I needed to be ready, whatever that meant. I was only 23 years old, and I was going to be teaching 17 10-year-olds. The teacher whose position that I was taking over retired in December, probably because she didn't want to live out the apocalypse and teach 10-year-olds at the same time. I was hired to finish out her school year. Now, if you're an educator, are there educators here today? Anybody? If you're an educator, you know how fun it is to start in the middle of a school year and to teach a a state assessed grade level just a few months before the actual state assessment was gonna happen. And for extra fun, the retired teacher was a bilingual teacher and I am not bilingual. So that meant that they had to redistribute all the fifth graders, create a new classroom just for me, And my class was made up of a bunch of kids that used to have a teacher they really, really loved, and now they had me. Uh, If you're not an educator, I thought that might not sound as dramatic as I'm making it. Um, Trust me, it is. So I thought I might show you another illustration of what it feels like when you are deeply passionate about a nearly impossible mission. It can actually feel a little like this. This man right here is my great-grandfather. He's the first cat herder in our family. Herding cats. Don't let anybody tell you it's easy. Anybody can herd cattle. Holding together 10,000 half-wild short hairs. Oh, that's another thing altogether. Being a cat herder is probably about the toughest thing I think I've ever done. I got this one this morning right here. And if you look at his face... It's just ripped to shreds, you know? You see the movies, you hear the stories, it's... I'm living a dream. Not everyone can do what we do. I wouldn't do nothing else. It ain't an easy job, but when you bring a herd into town and you ain't lost a one of them, ain't a feeling like it in the world. It's kind of like that, like herding cats. Do y'all ever feel that way? And then at the end of that first year of my teaching career, my principal called me into her office and she said, Jen, I don't think we're gonna have the same number of kids next year. And so what that means is we'll have to cut a teaching position. And since you're the last teacher we hired, you really can't work here again next year. And I was like, what? 
what do you mean? And she said, don't worry, don't worry. You're not fired or anything. You still have a job in the school district. And I'm sure that one of the other 93 schools in our school district will need a teacher to teach something at some point in time. You'll just have to wait and see. So this was not an ideal start to a career in teaching and learning. But here's the thing, it didn't matter. We all made it, the world didn't end. I found a new teaching position. The students in my classroom learned that year, and so did I. Learning kept happening, and it hasn't stopped happening for me or for the kids in the city. Everywhere, learning is happening. And I hadn't really thought about the Y2K crisis until I was working on this talk. And I don't know why not. I mean, it mattered a lot 21 years ago. It was a genuine threat. But I don't think about it now. And I don't really think it changed a lot about my teaching. It didn't change why I wanted to teach and it didn't change how I wanted to teach. And it, it really wasn't even the only crisis that my teaching career survived. On September 11th in 2001, I was teaching fifth grade. And I had just dropped my class off at PE when I saw my colleague Susan running down the hall crying. Her daughter worked at the World Trade Center in New York City. So I watched her fourth grade class for her while she ran to the office to try to reach her daughter. And I watched the news that day from our school library. And I tried to reassure my students that they were gonna be okay even though their colleagues, their classmates kept getting picked up early. Now my friend Susan's daughter, she was okay. <laughs> she didn't go to work that day, thank God. But knowing somebody who lived there, it made it all feel so much closer to home. And we mourned with our country that day. And we prayed all through the night. And then the next day we woke up, we got in our cars, we drove to school, and we went back to teaching. On December 14th in 2012, the day that the Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting happened, I was the principal at Wilson Elementary here in San Antonio, and I was devastated. And I remember sometime after that, having to run practice lockdown drills with my staff and my students. I remember writing a script to read over the intercom before the drill started. Remember, boys and girls, there's not a dangerous person in our building right now. We're only practicing. Please don't be scared. This is practice so that we know what to do in case of an emergency. And then we practiced hiding from an active shooter. And police officers came and roamed our hallways and they looked inside our windows and checked locked doors and they made sure that none of us were visible and none of us were accessible. And I never thought that that was something I was gonna have to prepare for as an educator. And all the teachers in my building made sure all our students were okay. And then when the practice was over, we went back to teaching. In 2020, we left for a spring break without realizing we wouldn't be returning. We had no idea that nearly three million of our nation's children would not receive in-person instruction for almost a year. We didn't know anything about personal protective equipment or antigen tests, handshakes and fist bumps and hugs. Those are integral to our daily routines. 
So to think that we were going to greet each other over Zoom for almost a year was unimaginable. And then when it seemed like the most immediate threat had eased just a little bit, guess what we did? We went back to teaching. We passed out school supply drives in drive-through events. We got new computers. We wore the PPE. We socially distanced, we Zoomed, we tested in a whole new way. We screened every single student and every single teacher that wanted to be screened for COVID every single week. We were diligent. We added contact tracing to our skill sets. And many teachers came back to work even though it meant risking the health of the families that we live with. And still, we kept teaching many in two modalities, in-person and online simultaneously. Do you know why we did that? Because educators are awesome. That's not a feeling. It's not a feeling that I have. That's the truth with a capital T. We show up when the rest of the world is panicked or frightened or hurting or sick. We show up, we keep teaching. Imagine for just one second what it would be like if the educators stopped showing up. You probably don't have to imagine too hard, right? How many of you became the educator during quarantine? Raise your hands. How many of you thought that was an easy job? Actually, don't raise your hand if you thought that because teaching's not easy. During this pandemic, there's been a heightened sense of teacher appreciation. But honestly, I want you to feel like it's not the pandemic that makes teachers great. We've been through it all. And we've kept a laser focus on student learning the entire time, despite the world's craziness around us. We still have goals to meet. Kids are becoming literate, socially conscious, thoughtful people because teachers continue to show up. So I'm standing here talking to you about teaching so you can begin to understand, so you can know what it's like to serve the families of our communities, your families. Because I've found that in the absence of knowing something, people make up their own truth. And they say, I've heard people say things like, the schools are failing, teachers don't really care, students are falling through the cracks, learning should look a particular way. Some people are just born gifted. Privilege doesn't exist. I've been reading a book called How the Word is Passed. It's written by Dr. Clint Smith, a former high school teacher. And in it, he wrestles with the duality of our nation's origin. And he describes what it's like to research what teachers in schools teach and why. And he describes how so much of learning involves asking questions and then listening to the people that are answering the question. Listening, he says, is actually how the word is passed. So I'm here telling you my teacher story so that this word gets passed. But the truth is that we all have a story worth passing along. Each one of us is exactly where we are by a specific design, even if it feels accidental, even if it feels like luck, even if it feels like you're standing in a place that you didn't start out to be. Maybe a birth or a death or a recent move or the pandemic turned everything around for you. Changes happen all the time for all of us. Margaret Wheatley wrote in her book, So Far From Home, life is changing constantly. But change is never random. 
There are always causes and conditions. The reason living systems change is in order to survive. If their environment shifts, they adapt, figuring out what works in the context of now. We're adaptable, we change. And, we, and often change starts when we get disturbed. Something gets our attention and we make an adjustment. And then we stay in the new mode until something else disturbing happens and we have to shift again. And on and on and on we go. And once we realize that we can't prevent each other from being disturbed, we can't save ourselves from the disruption indefinitely, we stop trying to save each other. And we can really focus on what we can do right now. A hope or a fear of what's gonna come, it stops driving the focus of the work we're doing. And we can lean into our work with more clarity and more courage. And if that's not what educators are doing right now, I don't know what, what is. So let me ask you, what is the community work? Let me start by saying this, the work, the big work, the dub, capital W work, it's not the job you have. It's not the job I have. It's living out our spiritual gift, the gift that we've each been giving. Because living the gift keeps us connected to something larger. And something larger is what Dr. Nagowski calls in her book, Burnout, the way you make meaning. And meaning is most likely to come from three kinds of sources. Number one, the pursuit and achievement of ambitious goals that leave a legacy. So like making the world a better place. Some of us find meaning in service, service to the divine or another spiritual calling, as in glorifying God with my words, my thoughts, and my deeds. And others find meaning in loving, emotionally intimate connection with other people, as in raising my kids so they know they are loved, or in supporting my partner with authenticity and kindness. So I want you to think about that for a second. How do you find meaning in your life? Do you find it in the pursuit of ambitious goals? Do you find meaning in service or in connection? We're gonna do a really school-like thing right now and I want you to find an elbow partner. If you've been out of the school system a while, an elbow partner is anyone sitting close enough to touch elbows with. That is now your partner. And I want you to turn and talk to your elbow partner and just tell them real quick, which of those three ways, pursuit and achievement of goals, serving the divine, or a connection with others. Where do you find your meaning? And if you're watching online, you can put it in the chat. So go ahead, turn and talk to your elbow partner. For real, guys. Well, now that you've had a second to think that through and talk it over, I wanna go back to the way we started, to the letter that Paul wrote to the Church of Corinth. He said, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. And he goes on to say, now you are a part of the body of Christ, and each one of you Oh, and in the church, God's appointed first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles. Also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, and those speaking in different kinds of tongues. We're not all teachers in this room. We couldn't be. 
But we are all connected by the same spirit and the same God is working in all of us. We've each been given gifts and we aren't meant to compete with one another. Our gifts are meant to be complementary to each other. Paul describes it as being one body with many members. And he argues if your whole body is an eye, how do you hear? And if your whole body is an ear, how do you smell? You can't, the, the hand can't say to the eye, I don't need you. The head can't say to your feet, I don't need you. Verse 26 says, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. But here's the thing, Paul wrote that letter to the Corinthians because they were being really dumb. There were a lot of quarrels amongst them. They were competing with each other. They were arguing. And Paul basically wrote the letter to admonish them and to remind them to make sure they were using their own unique spiritual gift and to make sure that they were not minimizing the contribution of others. In another letter that Paul wrote to a pastor named Timothy, he reminded Timothy of the importance of a gift. Do not neglect your gift, which was given to you through a prophetic message when the elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself to them wholly so that everyone may see your progress. So there's that big idea again. Say it with me, ready? Don't neglect the gift. Turn to your neighbor and say it to your neighbor. So there's two things I like about this idea. One is that teaching is not an office or a job. It's a gift and it's only given to some. It's a special ability and a motivation to help other people learn and understand. And when we, the teachers, lean into that gift, when we're able to pay attention to our gift, we find purpose and the whole, all of you get better because of it. But here's the other thing that stuck with me. Everybody who's not a teacher, all of you have gifts that we don't have. And we actually need you. We need you in order to be healthy and fully functioning. We, we need each other. We cannot afford to neglect the gifts we've been given. When we neglect our gift, everybody suffers. We're out of sync. We don't have a support system. We're disconnected from something larger and we feel alone. Have you ever had a bad teacher? I want you to just think for a minute and consider that maybe that bad teacher was tasked with something nearly impossible and they didn't feel connected to something larger. And I want us to really think on, are we connecting, are we using and contributing our gifts to create an environment where teachers can really thrive so that none of our current students have that bad teacher experience? It's important that we stay connected to something larger. It's why connecting with each other in groups like tribe here at church is so important. So if you haven't already connected to a tribe, I really wanna encourage you after service to visit the tribe tent outside and get connected. Connecting gives us purpose and purpose transcends occupations. It transcends the industry that you work for. It even transcends the school buildings where we teach and learn. Having purpose helps combat burnout. It helps us withstand the frequent inevitable changes that life throws at us. You know, one of my favorite times of the school year is graduation season. For the seniors, it marks the end of years worth of trial and error. 
years worth of measures of progress, years worth of contemplating what life and adulthood might look like. And this graduation season was especially meaningful to me because our son Elijah graduated from high school. Never has it been more clearly etched in my heart the importance of leaving school with a sense of identity and purpose. It reminded me of a piece of one of my favorite commencement speeches from one of my favorite heroes. Sometimes you need to feel the pain and sting of defeat to activate the real passion and purpose that God predestined inside of you. God says in Jeremiah, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Graduating class, hear me well on this day. When you, this day when you have reached the hilltop and you are deciding on, on next jobs, next steps, careers, further education, you would rather find purpose than a job or a career. Purpose crosses disciplines. Purpose is an essential element of you. It is the reason you are on the planet at this particular time in history. Your very existence is wrapped up in the things you are here to fulfill. Whatever you choose for a career path, remember the struggles along the way are only meant to shape you for your purpose. When I dare to challenge the system that would relegate us to victims and stereotypes with no clear historical backgrounds, no hopes or talents, when I questioned that method of portrayal, a different path opened up for me. The path to my destiny. When God has something for you, it doesn't matter who stands against it. And what God has for you is your spiritual gift. I love that he said purpose is an essential element of you. It's not tied to your job. At the end of my 17th year as an urban educator, a different path opened up for me. I knew it was time for a season of rest for me. I heard a talk here at church about salt. Our lead pastor, Pastor Doug, was describing how if salt loses its saltiness, it stops being good for anything. It's not good for the land, it's not good for the food, it's not good for the animals, because salt cannot be made salty again. And it hit me. I wasn't as salty as I used to be. I was tired. Teaching and leading is not easy. Working full time is not easy. Parenting is not always easy. Being married is not always easy. The daily grind had pulled me away from my purpose and I wasn't able to contribute my full spiritual gift. I needed a break. Does anybody feel like that? I needed a break. But there was still work to be done. There was so much work. So I thought a lot about it and I prayed over it. And as I sat in the very last principal meeting of the school year, I literally heard a voice that just said, Trust me. So I quit my job. <laughs> and my husband, Carlos, wasn't exactly sure that's what trust me meant, but that's exactly what I did. Later on, I read Audre Lorde's words on self-care. She said, caring for myself is not self-indulgence. It's self-preservation. 
And that is an act of political warfare. You see, in order for me to stay connected to something larger, in order for me to live out my spiritual gift, in order for me to work at dismantling systems of inequity that I see, in order for me to keep teaching, I needed to listen and trust God. And honestly, I needed the people around me to recognize that staying salty was my gift that I was giving back to my school and to my city. It's been four years since I stopped working full-time for SAISD. And in those four years, some of my best educator friends and I founded a nonprofit called San Antonio Leaders and Teachers, SALT. Our mission is to celebrate and elevate the teaching and learning that happens every single day in our school systems in San Antonio. And what SALT and I are asking you guys to do today is to consider just for a moment what your spiritual gifts are and evaluate the contribution that you're making with them. You can ask the Lord to help you with this. Psalms 86.11 says, Teach me your ways, O Lord, that I may live according to your truth. Grant me purity of heart so that I may honor you. It's a simple prayer and it can become our mantra. Pastor Lee taught us a few weeks ago that we ought to strive to live a life that results in commendation, not correction. We don't want to be like the Corinthians that have to be reminded to support each other. We want to honor the Lord and honor each other. Timothy 5.17 says, the elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of a double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. When we, the teachers, have done our work well, we're worthy of a double honor. But in order for us to do our work well, we actually need you. We need you to pass the word on. We need you to not neglect your spiritual gift. We need you to vote in every election, nationally and locally. And then we need you to accept our gift of teaching and honor it. So here are three things you can do to honor an educator. You can reach out and say thank you. And we have thank you notes out at the salt table and also at the tribe table. And let me tell you, educators love words. We love words. We read them, we keep them, we put them in our journal and pin them to our bulletin boards in our classrooms and offices. So a note of encouragement means a lot. Two, you can investigate your spiritual gift. It's never too late or too early to learn how you can contribute. Do you want to live in a livelier city? Do you want a better economy? Do you want kinder politics? then you have to support your schools and the educators in them. So you can learn how to do that. You can learn how to be a helper or be a prayer warrior. And you can do that by purchase. If you want to, there are books available in the lobby. Called, it's a book called Strength Finder. And you can really investigate what God has gifted you with. And the last thing you can do today through August the 8th is give to the supply drive. You can bring in the school supplies that you see listed for students or you can make a financial contribution. You can um, make sure that our students go back to their classroom with an Amazon or an HEB gift card so that they get a good jump start on their school year. And you can do that by giving at the salt table or you can use a kiosk or you can even text to give. So before I wrap up, I just, I wanna say thank you. Thank you for listening to me. Thank you for letting me talk to you. 
Thank you in advance for the generosity and the love that I already know you're gonna pour out for our educators this school year. And if you're an educator, I want you to hear this. I see you. I love you. I am so proud to know you. Thank you for the work that you're doing. Please make plans to come back in August, on August the 8th, as Doug gives a special commissioning to educators before we head into the 21-22 school year. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for bestowing such powerful gifts to each one of us. Teach us your ways. Help us to not neglect our gifts. Show us how to support each other's work in ways that keep us to connect, connected to each other and most importantly to you. Thank you for blessing some of us with the courage to teach. May each of us learn new ways to honor you through the gifts you've given. And thank you, Lord, for loving us so much. Amen. We're glad you were part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, check citytribe.church.